Hello, how the tech are you? We are fully merged with uh, Proof of Stake, and we're ready to go. Unfortunately, we also lost 15% of our value in the past week. That's up. <laughs> yeah, but we do anyway. that every week. <laughs> uh, just kidding. This is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. Uh, we like to talk about tech stuff and science things and news related to tech and science and all that good stuff. I am historian Matt. Uh, I am a, uh, well, good-for-nothing, lazy-bones-type person in Florida right now. Uh, but I like to talk about tech news, and I got some... Uh, actually, don't have that much that's uh, that much newsworthy, but uh, I definitely have two tech topics today. Uh, the first one is AI art is showing up on stock photography websites. Uh, we've been talking about AI-generated art for a while, and... I'll give an update on what's going on there. And the second one is uh, wireless EV charging. What's going on there and when it's coming to the U.S. So uh, you at the pink mic. All right. I am HK Perrin and I am a software engineer. So I mostly do software engineering news. And this week we've got a big one. Rust is coming to Linux 6.1. Uh, so I'll talk more about that. And then my second one is, could Ubuntu have a new software center soon? Maybe. All right, over to Dave. I'm Dave, and I have the star wipe. I'm the producer of all the shows here at Equiplex Media, and um, I am a podcaster. I have two stories this week. I have one about a an app that Ford might make you install so that their self-driving cars don't run you over. And then I have a story about Intel changing some of their naming, especially on their lower end processors. Cool. Go ahead, Matt. I will go ahead with my uh, topic. So my first one is AI art on uh, stock photography websites. This is a real quick hit, but I wanted to, to cover it real quick. But basically some artists have been, have started submitting their AI-generated art to stock photography websites like Shutterstock. So uh, if you search for AI-generated or mid-journey on, uh, on Shutterstock, you'll, you'll end up with thousands of results. Apparently, mid-journey seems to be the most popular generator on Shutterstock. And uh, Shutterstock is not, not prohibiting AI-generated art, at least not yet. They haven't updated and it's one of those things where um rules haven't caught up with with technology yet but um so uh if you generate art with uh i think mid-journey seems to be as i said was the most popular but it mid-journey and some of the other ai generated art programs do not really make images big enough to fit shutterstock standards so you'll have to upscale them if you're actually interested in doing this but uh, finally, you know, artists are doing this, of course, so they can generate this art and make some in income at the same time. And of course, there's a lot of controversy about whether AI-generated art is actually art and who owns the copyright, stuff like that. Although I think it's uh, pretty clear. I think copyright's actually pretty clear on that. But what do you guys think? You got any uh, questions, comments? I was under the impression copyright is pretty clear and it's that you don't own the copyright to it. Nobody owns oh. the copyright to it. I thought it was the opposite because 
Uh, that's interesting because I thought it was the opposite because you are creating the text to generate the artwork, right? Uh, and then it's going running through a program to, to generate the output. That's very similar to the way that compiling works for programs itself. So, you know, you write code, you write software code um, that is then interpreted by a compiler to create an, an output, which is the, uh, you know, the finished uh, compiled program that you, that you wrote. And you actually own the copyright to the final compiled program, even though there was another program that actually created it. So what I have here is from Smithsonian Magazine, March 24th, 2022. The U.S. Copyright Office rules AI art cannot be copyrighted. I did not know that. There you go. Your analogy seems pretty similar, though. Uh, the only thing I would say is, like, there is a one-to-one relationship between uh, what you write in code and what you get out of the compiler. Yeah. And you don't have that same kind of relationship with AI-generated art uh, because yeah, it's based well, on think, this random uh, seed. I don't think one-to-one is quite the right word for it, but there's no like AI involved, and it's uh, there's a very clear conversion process, right? It's a um, what am I? It's there's a word I'm trying to think of that is escaping me right now. Um, well, what I mean is like if I run the same code through two through a compiler twice, I get the, the same, same output. Yeah, I get the same program out both times. Whereas if I run the same prompt through an AI twice, I don't get the same output unless you I'm also the defining output, the yeah. seed of the like the random seed. That's true. Yeah, uh, and in that case, like. Well, maybe uh, next week I'll, I'll follow up on copyright issues. <laughs> I generated uh, images since I uh, uh, didn't realize that uh, at least the uh, copyright office is going in a different direction. That's, this is yeah. great, though. This means I can plug in a bunch of random phrases about that we talk about on the other shows into Dolly Mini and then upscale it and slap it on a shirt and then tell their lawyers if they, <laughs> if they come after me to go, go F themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Dolly doesn't own the copyrights. <laughs> All right. So I'm ready for my next uh, topic. It's a little bit longer, a little uh, less precise, but uh, wireless EV charging. So basically, if you have an EV, uh, you know, car, uh, you know, electric car, and you've done any charging, you know how much it sucks to find a place that actually uh, connects to your car properly and will charge at an appropriate speed. Uh, if it's working at all, There's there's been a lot of problems with uh, um, Electrify America was the big one that apparently all over the country, their, their chargers are broken all over the place. Well, uh, wireless charging is, it's been around for a while, but uh, not too long ago, we got a worldwide standard developed for it. So the Society of Automotive Engineers, or SAE, developed a worldwide standard, and um, it was specifically to combat this problem, like they, that, uh, or they've been focusing on doing this to, to combat the the problem of uh, wired chargers where you have different cables, different connectors uh, with different manufacturer, car manufacturers and, and such. 
But with wireless charger, they charging for EVs, they've created one standard that is a worldwide standard. So you don't have to uh, worry about what kind of charger, wireless charger you're getting, you know, uh, connecting to. Uh, and right now in South Korea, there's the, the Genesis GV60, which is sort of, I think it's a crossover SUV type vehicle um, that electric and supports wireless charging. But you can only find these wireless chargers in, uh, well, right now, Genesis branded charging stations and harm and home chargers in South Korea. Uh, China is looking into install more wireless chargers as it expects uh, their auto industry to transition completely to EVs. But um, I don't think they have a whole lot of them yet. But um, yeah, so that's the, the big question where wireless charging is going to uh, end up in. Now, a lot of people are concerned about efficiency, but actually wireless charging is about 90 to 92% efficient, which exceeds most hmm. plug-in charging which is actually around, it's in the mid 80% range. When you have like really high quality components and high quality plugs and stuff, they can actually get plug-in charging up to around 94% efficiency, but that is very uncommon. So actually wireless charging is pretty good uh, a charging option. It just doesn't, it's not very many places that do it. And uh, that you know the standard has just appeared more recently. 2020. But um, yeah, and I, um, just to be clear, when I'm talking about this kind of wireless charging, although some of them, some people have talked about embedding it into roads, most of this is not wireless charging that's like embedded on a roadway where you're driving at 60 miles an hour and charging while you're going. This is like you're charged at a, in a specific parking spot that has the, the charger either embedded in the parking spot or is just sitting on top of the you know, the asphalt or something like that. And you're straddling this charger. But the big question is when will you wireless charging come to the U S unfortunately, even though the, the Genesis GV 60 is apparently available in the U S it's not very common. The stations are not here. So you're not going to get any stations. There are actually no stations that exist in the U S that have wireless charging, except in pretty uh, specialized stuff, probably like testing stations or something like that. But, nothing open general to the public. Uh, most likely we'll see home wireless chargers come before the stations do, but uh, hardly any manufacturers right now, any auto manufacturers support uh, wireless charging, but I would look forward to it. It's, it's not a big deal for me. I did get a nice uh, plug in my house for plugging in chart, my charger for my car, but I could totally see, I already have stuff set up where uh, I could, you know, park in exactly the same spot in my garage every time. And if I just had a little wireless charging plate and my car supported it, it would work great and for charging my car. But what do you guys think? Wireless charging? And I don't think either of you have electric cars, so <laughs> maybe nope. asking the wrong audience. Uh, I was surprised to learn the efficiency. I thought wireless charging efficiency was a lot lower than that. Yeah, it, it apparently has to do with, like, I don't go into the details. Um, I am not a, you know, electrical engineer by any sort, but apparently some of the conversion stuff they have to do in uh, wired charging is kind of done automatically with the wireless charging. So that that conversion um, 
and stuff they have to add in reduces the efficiency of the wired charging, but you kind of get it for free with uh, wireless. So it ends up being very comparable. Are you trading off though? Are you, is it like going to charge slower? Like, cause I know like my phone charger, like there's no, there's absolutely no way there's no wireless charging pad that charges my phone as fast as let's just say like a wired fast charger that came with my well, phone. Well, I think the initial pads ha- are kind of low, uh, low power. So they, they were talking like up to maybe three kilowatts, uh, which is not great, but not terrible. You know, it's a, uh, um, a slower charge. I don't know if that's what I'm getting or what I'm getting out of my uh, chart wire charger, but they do say that they have the ability to go up to like at least 75 kilowatts uh, of charging power, which will apparently charge pretty quickly. That just, I don't know. That just sounds terrifying. I know that it's safe. It just sounds yeah. terrifying. <laughs> like, like if you walk between it, do you, does your liver get cooked? <laughs> Like well, I'm sure there's going to be the the conspiracy theories that think they're going to die from the radiation from these charging pads. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> what if you What if you accidentally swallow a charging coil? Will it then be dangerous? <laughs> you're going to have more problems if you're if you are capable of char- you know swallowing a charger pad. I don't know, if, especially uh, a charging uh, coil made for a for a car. Yeah, for the car. Uh, Dave had the, the image up earlier where you can see it's like, it's a pretty good, like, it's almost like what, a um, it's a little bit a bigger than a, in a major league baseball about yeah. that size. <laughs> we both had the same thought. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, it eat. actually does look like it's a little base too. Like, yep. Yeah. Like I'm yep. just expecting someone to be like <laughs> taking a big lead off that charging pad. <laughs> it's just a general rule though. Don't eat electronics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless it's made for that, like the thing that uh, goes in your colon and takes pictures looking for uh, cancer. You can do that one. Yeah, you can eat. Uh, don't don't eat electronics unless it's specifically advised to do so by a doctor. Right. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe still get a second opinion because you're eating electronics. <laughs> That's all I got. So. All right. Uh, well, I'll flip over into Rust coming to Linux 6.1. And you might be thinking, well, we haven't even reached Linux 6.0. We're on 5.19. Uh, well, 5.20 was renamed to 6.0, which is just around the corner. And it the Rust patches didn't quite make it into 6.0, so they're coming in 6.1. That will be the first kernel version to add support for Rust within its code. So things like drivers, uh, Linux drivers that exist in the kernel can be written in Rust once these patches are uh, are merged in. Uh, and Rust, in case you're unfamiliar, is a strongly and statically typed general purpose language. It was developed at Mozilla since they officially supported it in 2009. Uh, it started in 2006 by a Mozilla employee as like a passion project. And then Mozilla saw promise and officially uh, supported it. Uh, so since its beginning, the Linux kernel has only ever supported C code and assembly. Uh, 
no language has been hotly considered for inclusion since C++ in 1997. So nine years before Rust was even created. Uh, so why is Rust coming in 6.1 and not something big like 6.0? Uh, the answer is because 6.0 actually isn't big. Uh, like it might be big compared to 5.0, but the way Linux, uh, the way Linus uh, uses these version numbers, uh, it, this version was originally going to be 5.20, but Linus decided that 20 was getting too big for a minor version number. And it's also not the first time it's happened. The, essentially, the same thing happened with Linux 5.0 instead of Linux 4.22 and Linux 4.0 instead of Linux 3.20. So Linux has a history of uh, once the minor versions get big enough, they're like, all right. It's like Linus in particular is <laughs> like, all right, time to go next major version. <laughs> uh, but generally compared to like the last major version jump, there is quite a bit that's happened since then. They were just introduced in minor versions. So, uh, any questions about that, you guys? Yeah. Um, point of clarification. Uh, Rust is a systems language, so it's built for doing low-level type programming stuff and dealing with your own memory management and all that good stuff, right? Uh, Rust does, I believe, have a garbage collector that deals with memory for you. So you don't actually have to manage your own memory, uh, okay. but you certainly can. Rust can do pretty much anything C can do. Uh, some things it will tell you not to do, and the only way to do them is to wrap your code in what's called an unsafe block, where you're telling the compiler... Don't bother managing my code. I know what I'm doing, and I'll fuck it up myself, please. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you know what kind of uh, um, type of language it is? You know, object-oriented, procedural, functional? Uh, it does have classes, so I believe it's object-oriented. Uh, okay. I could be wrong, though, so don't quote me on that. But it does have classes. Okay. Yeah, I haven't uh, looked into detail on that, like uh, that language yet. Um, usually pretty good on keeping up with new languages and checking them out, although it's not really in my you know, area of expertise. I, I don't do a lot of systems programming. Um, yeah. I do more application programming and a lot of back-end couple... server-type programming. Yeah, I watched a couple uh, introduction videos, introduction to Rust videos, uh, and it looks really cool. Like, yeah. uh, the the kind of things you can do, uh, you can do some very powerful things in like very small amounts of code. So it's uh, it's really like I think. Hopefully, it's going to be the next evolution of code after, like, you know, we've all kind of standardized on C and C++. Hopefully, Rust will be the next thing uh, to move into this, like you said, like systems design area where really we haven't had a whole lot of innovation in, in like a couple decades now. And finally, do you, uh, do you know what family of languages it's under? Is it, does it look kind of like C and C++ or is it? Uh, something else like an algol language or something or 
it looks pretty similar to C. Uh, okay, so it's probably in that same family. Yeah, I would put it in that family. Uh, it's uh, I don't know what the the real like intricate differences are, but uh, from a overview perspective, it looks pretty similar to C. Okay, cool. And I was surprised that uh, C plus plus was not allowed with the the Linux kernel. There was a big push to get it in the Linux kernel, uh, yeah. but it was abandoned. Yeah. So, yeah. It's been cool. all C since basically the beginning. So this is, this is quite a big deal. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so moving on, could Ubuntu have a new software center soon? Yes, maybe, but also please. <laughs> uh, there is a new project that is a community-led effort to create a better software center for Ubuntu. And it looks very promising. Uh, if you scroll down there, you'll see some of the screenshots there. It looks quite nice. Uh, I would say certainly on par with what, it, what they have currently looks-wise, uh, but their goals are to be uh, you know, more friendly and more, uh, more powerful and less buggy. <laughs> uh, it does not have Flatpak support, but the devs have not outright said no. Uh, they just said that they don't currently see value in adding it since Ubuntu doesn't have Flatpak support by default. Uh, so if you want Flatpak support in a software center, if you're running regular Ubuntu, probably GNOME software would be the thing to go with. Uh, I, highly, I highly do not recommend Ubuntu's current software center. It is incredibly buggy in my experience and it and snaps are a large portion of the reason I personally switched to Manjaro Linux. So it's really good to see potentially a better solution coming for Ubuntu users. Uh, so I'm really happy to see that. Any questions on that? Not that I know a whole lot about it, but maybe I can answer questions. Well, the I obvious question is, are they writing in Rust? Uh, they're writing it in Flutter. Uh, I don't know if Flutter supports Rust or if it's its own language. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I uh, didn't realize m maybe how bad Ubuntu Software Center is until I like installed the current version of Ubuntu Studio and got uh, KDE's Discover and was like, oh my God, this works. Yeah, <laughs> it works and it's reliable. It's holy shit. It's it's fast. You launch it and then there's immediately things on the screen. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I mean we're not I'm not on like a slow, I wasn't running like the old one on a slow computer or anything. It's like it's just it's bad. I don't know why yeah. it's so bad. Um <clears throat> I remember Well, part of why it's slow is that it's a snap, but that only explains why it's slow to it's slow to come up first. Uh but like even once you're using it, it's still slow. Yeah. And it, it makes me nervous too, because like not for my desktop, but for my laptop, the uh if there's like a firmware update, like a, for the UAFI or whatever, it's happening inside of there. And it seems like a very unstable place for that to be initiated. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually if I see that there, I will go to the command line and do it from the command line because I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. I know that all it's doing is downloading a very small file and initiating it at the next startup. I'm just paranoid. Um with the with the flat pack support 
what what do you suppose might be a reason that somebody wouldn't include it like just in a in an operating system more broadly like what would be a reason i don't understand like why maybe ubuntu wouldn't have native support for all of the different ways to install an app i mean obviously not like rpm or because rpm is not even gonna it's not you know it's not for a debian based system at all but like like can you like do you do you know of a reason why it wouldn't be supported if it's like a all-in-one sort of thing that's just going to run on any linux anyway yeah if we're assuming good intentions on canonical uh which i think is the right approach to do uh i would say that they probably don't include flat pack support because snaps give them uh more control over the ultimate user experience and they want the user experience to be really good and within their control uh and flat packs are kind of a little more wild west you know you can add in remotes very easily and you can add in whatever software you know could end up completely bricking your system uh and a, and canonical would have no control over like you know, putting some safety rails in, in the way. Uh, so I think that's most likely the answer. Uh, but if you're assuming some more nefarious intentions on canonical, uh, which maybe this plays a part, maybe it doesn't, I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, it might be that they want snap to succeed and flat pack being a competitor to snap having flat pack in the uh in the operating system people might discover that oh flat pack is actually you know a better experience so i'm going to move to flat pack and just never touch snap yeah yeah i um i don't know uh which it is it sounds like it's the first one though because i mean let's be let's be honest a, yeah. a, a ubuntu and canonical are a little bit handholdy and yep. but I mean, that's because if you're going to install a Linux system for somebody for the very first time, you'd be hard pressed to not have Ubuntu in your top three for a brand new user just because it works, that everything makes sense, even though, like we were saying, the software center is garbage. They could still find Audacity (laughs) and install it, even if they accidentally install the snap and it takes forever to load and then it doesn't, you know honor your theme preferences for the the rest of the operating system which i find <laughs> odd that, that it doesn't honor your like gtk theme preferences or whatever but yeah i think it's i think it's handholdy more than anything else and i don't <clears throat> what do you mean like a, a flat pack would just lock up your system because isn't it sort of sequestered from the system like it can't really do it can't really break your system um there are things that you could do that could let it break your system. So if if you're installing a new Flatpak remote that's not Flathub, uh, the chances that you'll give something a permission just because it's telling you to are probably like fairly high. And then if it was malicious, it could certainly like you can give a Flatpak enough power to brick your system. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But that's again. Uh, that's why you would, if you install a flat pack, you should be installing from FlatHub, where there are some guardrails, where people have yep. ostensibly looked at it and made sure that it's not going to do something like that to you. Yeah, well, yeah. And to be clear, a snap could also brick your system if you give it the power to. Uh, but 
Canonical has very strict control over the server side of Snaps. Uh, the client side of Snaps is open source, but the server is not. So there's no way to start your own Snap server. Uh, and there's no way to submit a snap to the server without going through Canonical. Just uh, just out of curiosity, is this new uh, software center also going to be a snap? Uh, it supports being installed as a snap, yes. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to it. It looked nice. I'd like to see what it looks like in dark mode because they only had light mode up there. And what kind of monster uses light mode? But... Uh, other, other than that, I mean, it looked better, but I think the there's the problem with the Ubuntu Software Center isn't how it looks. It's if it if it was e, if it navigated correctly and the things inside of it loaded quickly, it would be a great place to go find software. Yeah, or I should say, uh, I believe it's in their roadmap to support being installed as a snap. I don't believe you can install it currently as a snap. Oh, so it's a it would be you have. I mean, currently since it's just since they're just working on it you're you're compiling it right you're you're building it from yes. source i i believe currently the only way to get it is to compile it from source yeah yeah i used to be terrified of that and it's actually not that terrifying there's yeah. several things that i run and count on every day that i've built from source here well cool i hope they fix it but i i mean if it, they'll find i don't know they've just never had a good software center like on a standard ubuntu yeah. system if i have to get stuff done if i'm like like installing you know what I install? I install the Synaptic Package Manager, and and, <laughs> then, and then I go search for things in there because you know what? It doesn't make any sense to a new user, but if you know what you're looking for, that's quick, and and yep. it'll it'll remind you of your updates and stuff while you're in there too. It's fantastic. It'll even install your yeah. new software and your updates with one click of a button. I feel like that doesn't get enough love, <laughs> but also if you're new to the if you're new to it, you have no idea that the discoverability in there is just terrible. You have to know exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. Also, it also it, the great thing about Synaptic is um, you won't accidentally install Audacity as a snap because it'll just grab it from the repository <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't have to switch it from snap to repo and and back or have both show up. <laughs> and the other thing, uh, it, sometimes both will show up when you search in the software center and it's unclear maybe to a new user. What? Yeah. Why are there two Audacities here? You know what I'm saying? Because up at the top, it's not. If you're if you're not familiar with what's going on in there up at the top that thing that says snap or include snaps you don't even know what that is you don't know what that means if it's your first time touching the thing and you just are like oh I have this old laptop I'm gonna try this Ubuntu thing which is I think how a lot of people end up getting into Ubuntu probably and so they're like well, what the yeah. heck is this why are there two as much as I, I as much as I hate to say it they should probably if there's two versions one's from the repo and one's from the snap they should probably hide the repo version. The snap will be more, the snap will be newer. Yeah, just have the snap be the default, and if you want to get to the repo and you know what you're doing, have a way to get to the repo version. But just show and install the snap version first, right? Because for most people, for people who aren't going to investigate how to get it the other way, you're going to get the newest version. And the fact that it takes a little bit longer to load the first time for something like Audacity isn't going to matter. It's still going to run exactly the same. Well, that's really good news, but I am off of that for production. I am taking the other machine that we do audio on here probably this weekend and getting rid of the old the old paradigm and putting on uh, Ubuntu Studio with 
with a uh, plasma and it has discover and it's not as pretty, but man, does that work? Man, does discover yeah. work? <laughs> so discover that, works and it works really well. Yeah. Yeah. And it even, it's even, it's clear what everything is in discover. I, I'm almost, I almost wish they would just kind of build something based off of that and, you know, build it, build it in GTK or something and just have that be the paradigm because it's so fast. It's just so fast. <laughs> I love it so much. I forgot like some of the things I liked about KDE. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that during the post game. Yeah. Um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to head on over to my stories. Yep. I'm all done. Unless, unless Matt, do you have any, have nope. any... go for it? <laughs> I'm like, how many, what software center do you like? Okay. I just have two <laughs> stories this week. Um, one is a story that I got from the register. I kind of like the register because they're, like us they're a little more snarky a little more cynical kind of like to make fun of things a little bit more than we do more than more than a lot of other tech pl- tech places do well here's an article that says don't want to get run over by a ford car there's an app for that <laughs> and what's going on here is you i guess you're going to be able to get a bluetooth le app from ford that will communicate with their self-driving cars and let them know i'm walking here and then the car won't run you over um, <laughs> I couldn't believe this when I saw it. I thought it was satire, but no, it, the, but the idea is that it's like another layer of protection so that you don't get run over by the, the Ford Mach-E or whatever. It's just very funny. Like I'm thinking of like, oh, say so you don't want to get run over by the car. So you should install this app and give us your location data. See, like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hearing there. I'm like, <laughs> what kind of permissions am I going to need to give the Ford motor company to do this? And it's not the worst idea, but I would also think there would be a way to do it without an app, right? Where because if you have blue, if your yeah. phone has Bluetooth LE, you it would just you it would see a device with Bluetooth LE, and it wouldn't even need to connect to it or anything, right? Yeah. Well, the yeah. way to do it without the Bluetooth is a called, you know, actual AI that can determine the difference between a person and you know a tree or something. Or like just if there's something that's emitting Bluetooth, maybe like be cautious around it. Right. Don't you know, run it's into it. Probably a phone in a human's pocket. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't 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 go barreling. Even if you're not even if you don't think there's a person there, if something's emitting Bluetooth, maybe slow down a little bit. <laughs> or maybe. maybe you know, if you at all see something in the direction that you're going, maybe you should uh, slow down and not hit it. Right. I just, uh, I just think there would be, because if your phone, if you have Bluetooth LE on your phone, it's definitely always broadcasting. And so I don't know what the app is for, except to collect your data. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I just thought, well, you just answered your question. I just thought it was really (laughs) funny that the, the, that I saw an article that said, Oh, if you know, here, install this app. So the Ford doesn't run you over. (laughs) I just, it's like, this is amazing. (laughs) This is, and like I said, it's from the register. They're, they're a great tech outlet because it's, it's mostly enterprise tech, but they do, they do dish out a heavy dose of the snark when they see something like this. And so shout out to the people at the register. I got one more uh, story from the register. This is not a snark. What well, kind of is? It's like don't say Pentium or Celeron anymore. It's just an Intel processor, and so that's all there is to it. They're going to be dropping <laughs> the branding of Pentium and Celeron on the lower level Intel processors, and the branding will only be on like the core processors, the Xeon processors, you know, the the higher end stuff. And um, that's the whole story. I don't know, like, 
it just makes it more complicated, I think, because then you're going to be like left with like a, a part number or a model number on the processor when you're trying to figure out what's in the laptop. Because for the average person, right? The average person, if the average person was buying a laptop and they're like, want something that's going to last a few years, you're like, oh, if you're buying Intel, just get a Core i5. You'll be happy for a while, you know? But yeah, why wouldn't they just get rid of one? Why do they have to get rid of both? Right. Just call them both Pentium and then have like a, have like a one, a one, what if it was a, what if, what if it was a three, five and a seven on the Pentium? So you, it, it like worked. It was the same, they're lower, lower level processors, but you're getting like, okay, this is the best Pentium. Now there's going to be like, it's going to be like, you know, 3402U. <laughs> it's yeah. just going to be the name of the processor. And then people are going to be like, well, what is a 3204U? You know? <laughs> Yeah, this Better is ridiculous. Three two zero three, and because um, like it's going to be so confusing if you're like, I have an Intel processor, and it's like, oh, do you have like a Core i five or something? No, I have an Intel processor. Yeah, but which one? The Intel processor one, right? Here, that's got these <laughs> it's five. So- it's got these five numbers next to it, and you're like, I guess that means you have a low end processor. <clears throat> is it because you would think that as as IPC and just the ability of these processors to do more with less becomes greater and greater that there would be more focus on the low end, more focus on marketing and making the low end seem appealing because at the low end people, when people don't want to spend a lot of money because they don't game, they're maybe not compiling things all the time. They're just like checking their email, like for cheap Chromebooks for just for like a low end windows laptop or even like a low end machine that somebody might put Linux on. You'd think that there, you would want to do some marketing around that because that's where there's going to, as these things get faster and faster and faster, you don't need the top. Nobody's going to need the top anymore. And there's going to be so much power down at the bottom that for the average user that it seems stupid not to market them. And especially like, so Intel kind of dragged these these brands through the mud, you know, like Celeron has always sucked just always. But Pentium, like at one time was a really good brand. It was like their their like flagship brand. And then they just like dragged it through the mud by like branding these crappy CPUs as Pentium. And now everyone has these kind of like if you have a Pentium or Celeron processor, everyone knows like, oh, you have a shit processor. And maybe that's why they're doing it. They're like rebranding to get rid of that connotation. But then it's just like, if you're just going to call it Intel processor, then you're just going to ruin the Intel brand. Right. And I, they could just come up with another name. You know how Amazon has like Amazon basics. Oh no. For them to do Intel basics, they would, they would be doing is stealing someone else's IP basically. And then making a (laughs) processor with it. But yeah, they could like do like a, maybe not, basic because that word has like a negative connotation but like intel essential right so that like this yeah, is, that would be good this is what you need like something like that so this is just like what you need to do your your browsing and whatnot calling it like but they're just i guess it's just going to be these weird model numbers that nobody knows anything about do you think at the low end people even know or care though you think maybe they did some market research and nobody even cares um, I'd imagine most of the people that are buying these are like people that are buying equipment for office workers. So they probably do know. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you're just, yeah, if you need to give somebody a laptop to work on the go and they're, you know, not, um, 
doing 3D modeling or, you know, any basic, anything uh, computationally intensive, you're going to buy it from the low end. Absolutely. It, not, not for nothing. The battery might last longer just because the processor is not, yeah. not crunching as much stuff e- either. It's, it's weird. The, <clears throat> I guess like in a way it kind of doesn't matter because their competition down there is um, going to be probably arm. And ARM processors have yeah. wild, crazy names. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, naming schemes on that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, for that, it's just all numbers, and even the numbers are hard to understand. Yeah, because AMD like seems to have made the decision like below like Ryzen three, they're not trying to compete. Like, and that's Ryzen three is the c- competition for the Core i three. And below that, they yeah. seem not to be trying to compete. So maybe they, maybe Intel just figures, well, if it's confusing over there on the ARM side, let's uh, let's just add, let's just throw some fuel on this confusion fire and maybe try to get people <laughs> to just be like, I don't understand. Buy the Core i three, <laughs> and they make a few more, <laughs> make like six extra dollars on this the PC sale. Yeah, to me, this seems like a really weird move. And the other thing is, who it might just be a failure of communication from some Intel marketing person where they're. They are thinking about a new name and they're just going to get rid of these two kind of tarnished names and they don't know the new name yet, which, you know, sometimes, maybe sometimes marketing people, like if they're communicating to somebody, just some journalist or whatever, they don't give the whole story because maybe they don't think it's important, but they should certainly have some name for something that isn't a core or a Xeon, right? Yeah. Yeah. I hope that that's it. I wouldn't be surprised if that's it. And I hope that that's it. Right, and I think the name Essential is a perfect name. Yeah. But they're not going to listen to me, and if they steal my idea, I don't have money for a lawyer, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you have, like, a... And I think the idea of having, like, the tiers, like, the 3, 5, and 7, like, you have an Essential E7 or something. Yeah. uh, That would be, like, just below a Core i3. Right. That's... That makes perfect sense to me. That's... But that would make sense, and Intel's been... Intel's been like behaving in a way that doesn't make sense for a company with their legacy and their reputation actually a lot lately. They put out these weird video yeah. cards that kind of suck. <laughs> like yeah. Like they're 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 kind of all over the place and they're kind of they're starting to get their lunch ate like on the low end by ARM and at the top end by AMD. And uh, I think it's they they seem yeah. to be lacking in direction and I think like reviving getting rid of that Celeron name would have been a great idea. And then reviving Pentium as like the bargain, not the bargain, maybe bargain is the, is the value proposition in at the low end. Make it actually make sense to buy one. Right. Even, even, even do Pentium, do Pentium, uh, what do Pentium one, two, three, and four just for like some, uh, some nostalgia. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like, even like, uh, the, the low end Pentiums were like minimum like seventy dollars, I think. Yeah, and it's like you can just buy an i three for like thirty dollars more and get four times the power. Right. So yeah, they should. Oh, maybe they're going to abandon the low end, and that's not what. Maybe or they're all but all but going to abandon the low end here. You know what I'm saying? And they're not, but they don't want to go out and say that. That they're just going to, maybe it'll be like so few processors on so few like specialized, like maybe it'll just be in like Chromebooks or like, you know, like uh, maybe they'll just be in like some kind of thin client type device. And then the i3 will actually just take up the low end of the consumer market. 
Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I just know that that was a. It was a. My two stories this week were dumb, and I'm glad that I found two <laughs> dumb stories on one of the better tech publications out there. So, uh, yeah, that that's all for me. Um, and during, I guess, during the post game for uh, patrons, we'll actually put it out for a freebie because we talked a little bit before the show too, and I'll let kind of point everybody over to Patreon. There's a couple other things I kind of wanted to talk about with uh, some upgrades around here and a link to a link to a video I made about the studio and stuff. So, Matt, you want to read the show out? All right. Yeah. Thank, thanks for joining us, listening to us or watching us on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like and subscribe and maybe leave a comment. If you're listening to us on the podcast catcher, uh, I guess they have like buttons. I don't know. I don't use them very often. So <laughs> whatever works, we, we definitely appreciate you listening to us. If you want to learn more about stuff from Echoplex Media, you can check out our website at echoplexmedia.com. They'll have a list of all the other shows on Echoplex Media. Most of the other ones go out live, and uh, you can catch the live versions of those shows on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Uh, we've got a lot of, there's a lot of shows. I don't even want to cover them all, but uh, yeah, definitely t- check them out if you're into that sort of thing. A lot of uh, more political or, um, I don't know, conspiracy theory type stuff, but uh, fun stuff to check out. And then uh, if you want to, you like our show, you want to give us some money, check out uh, our Patreon at patreon.com slash echoplex. Yes, without the media this time. <laughs> um, and uh, we, we go out on, we have our radio going out on eplex.xyz or echoplexmedia.com slash radio. And you can find us on Twitter at eplexm. Confusing still, with yet another name, but it's at eplexm. And then finally, buy our swag. We got some good good stuff. New shirts, I think, came out. Uh, uh, I got mine. I still got to wash them before I, I wear them. But uh, you can get the swag at eplex.store. And that's all I got, so... Thanks again.